0: Hello and welcome to episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on September the 8th, 2020. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, not drugged up, I think, the caffeine rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we have played. We talk about the Mario Collection or the Mario 35 and its uh, limited release. The Team Fortress 2 community uses bots to hunt cheat bots within itself. And we will be having a Steam Discovery queue. Time steps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage.
1: Hello. I wouldn't ask how you're doing, but I know that one. Yeah.
0: I'm kite. I'm, I don't know if I've got, if my allergies are bad, if I've got a normal plague or if I've got the plague of 2020, but I'm wasn't having, I've been like in a fog the last couple of days. Uh, so I took a bunch of drugs before doing the show and right now they're all working. Um, Ooh. maybe a little too well, but you know, Uh-oh. here I am a little too great. well. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure if I like that one. I got some hot tea, I got some room temperature water, so, you know, I'm good for a couple hours, and then I, I'm, I'm going to go sleepy you guys, it's going to be great.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, um, I drank a, a soda and had some trail mix, and now I have a bunch of water, and pretty much after the show, I'm going to go crash. I got the coffee pot set for in the morning for my girl, uh, got... Some lunch I prepared for her, but she wants to grab most of that herself, so not sure what she's planning, but eh.
0: yeah, yeah. I, I told you, I think, on Sunday that my coffee pot had a short in it, and every time I would turn it on, it would trip the breaker. Um, I know
1: you did tell me that.
0: Oh, I thought I did. Okay, well, hey, my coffee pot has a short in it, and every time I turn it on to make coffee, it trips the breaker. So, have you tried
1: lengthening it?
0: <laughs> no, not yet. I did try turning it off and back on again, though. That didn't seem to work. It tripped the breaker again. Uh, the um, breaker. Have you tried turning off and back on the breaker? No, I should try that. I should flip the main switch off and then back on. I'll be right back. I'm going to go do that. Yeah, you need to count to 20, though. Okay. No, so I, I, I chucked the coffee maker. I kept the pot, though, because, I mean, I'm going to get a replacement coffee pot. I know that they're not that, like, expensive or anything, but, you know, for a few days until, like, get around to ordering one off of Amazon or, you know, something or going down to the Goodwill. Um, I just kept the coffee pot and the filter. And so whenever I want to make a pot of coffee, I just use my my, uh, my tea kettle, fill that up, heat it up and then like pour it through the filter myself. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, it's the same thing, just with more manual labor involved. Oh, good thing you have a kettle.
1: Uh, I uh, well, well, we have uh, a reusable filter, so that does help a little bit, uh, but it's just uh, the the coffee pot's just dead simple. You know, it just has a timer on it. That's about it. Uh, are you planning on just uh, getting a good one or just uh, seeing what you find on Amazon? Because coffee pots can get kind of crazy these days. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, this is literally, like, I've got my fancy coffee stuff for when I want to make a good cup of coffee, but this is, like, my cheap work coffee, Uh my rot gut, I just need a shot of caffeine, and a reliable trip to the bathroom in a couple hours, and so I don't, I don't want or need anything fancy with this, so I'm probably just gonna pick up a Goodwill coffee pot, or, Uh you know, like, just a cheap one on Amazon, or, or, you know, walmart.com or something. You know, like a like a 20 to $30 coffee pot, if I bought it brand new, I yeah. want it to be able to make at least 10 cups. That's yeah. my only sort of requirement.
1: Yeah, mine is a Mr. Coffee. So, you know, not exactly high-end. Yeah. Uh, but that is one thing I would suggest, is get a reusable filter. It's a little bit of a pain to get used to emptying out and washing it out, but... With a proper kitchen sink uh, that has the hose on it, it takes you know thirty seconds. And I just keep a uh, a the old uh, ground container uh, to uh, dump the uh, used ones in, and it makes quite the difference, actually. Yeah,
0: looks like there's a Mueller. Mueller. I don't know Mueller. Yeah, Mueller, 12 cup coffee pot for 40 bucks on Amazon, like at the very top of their list. I bet I could get one way cheaper than that even on Amazon, but you know,
1: 20 to 30 bucks.
0: Well, the problem is you're looking at uh,
1: some of these are like five cup ones. What the hell is that? Uh, There is a 10 cup one here that's $330. That looks like uh, it's made out of uh, like three or four different pieces of construction equipment. <coughs> I, yeah, I don't may know. have to link you this one because
0: damn. Yeah. So here's, here's one 12 cup drip coffee maker, Mixpresso. Never heard of that brand before, but you know, whatever, uh, comes with, <laughs> with a reusable filter, <clears throat> 25 bucks. So yeah, I got to send you this one because
1: this is a weird looking coffee pot. <coughs> uh let's see Discord it there and there you go Oh the old spicy memes as well Technoverm
0: Techno what the fuck is that <laughs> You see why I clicked on it now huh 40 yellow pepper I guess that's what they call the color yellow pepper and I mean that is that is bright yellow Approved European Brewing c- or Coffee Brewing Center Oh, it comes in lots of different colors. Green, purple, pink, dark blue, light blue. All right. All right. It looks like it's also a lot more high end than, you know, like
1: a Mr. Coffee. Yeah. Because there is a rather large uh,
0: heating coil to boil the water. The Mocha Master KBG. I mean, I I want a Mocha Master. I don't need it, but I want it now.
1: Probably the most annoying thing about coffee pots for me is... Uh, the two hour auto shut off on pretty much all of them because I'd love it to have it three,
0: but it seems like it's an industry standard two hours. That's it. That's all you get. Yeah. My coffee pot or coffee maker just had a switch. It didn't shut itself off automatically. You flip the switch on hot plate stays on flip switch off. Hot plate goes off. Like that was it. You poured your coffee in the top. You close the lid. It made your pot. However much water you put in was how much you got and You flip the switch on to for the hot plate to stay on.
1: Okay, so, I gotta show you this other one because this is another fucking weird one, and it also uses the cone filters, which I find
0: annoying. I hate the cone filters. I had a coffee pot at one point that had those, and I got rid of it because the cone filters suck so bad. Oh, I never locked out of the steam,
1: but. Uh,
0: By the way, welcome to the coffee portion of the podcast, listener. <laughs> we'll get to the the video games that you want to hear about eventually. Maybe.
1: We'll see see if you remember the uh, the timestamps this time around as well. I got the timestamps last time. Uh, They weren't up uh, whenever I posted the episode. No, I did them
0: Thursday afternoon. They weren't there, so. hmm. Smeg 1950s retro style 10 cup programmable coffee maker. Looks like something that uh, should be
1: making R2D2 noises.
0: Yeah, it's it's called Smeg and all my brain keeps thinking is Smeg Egg. Uh, well, well, I, well, I'm going Red Dwarf. So, yeah, I just I just want you know, a twenty five dollar coffee pot. You, that's exactly what I just had. You pour in the water, out comes the coffee. And well, this one's not programmable,
1: off. but it does have a just a flip a switch. I think you'll enjoy this one for when you absolutely have to have all the coffee.
0: <laughs> oh, nice. I like that. I do miss the one thing I miss the most, or what maybe one of the only things I miss about actually going into my office for work is they have one of the really big, um, like office style industrial strength coffee Perhaps, makers yeah. with like four pots of coffee. It's like there was always coffee. And if, if by some miracle there wasn't, like 60 seconds, you have a full pot of, of coffee ready to go. It's the simple things in life sometimes. Like, coffee pots... T- like, if you want fancy coffee... I don't know why you would buy a fancy coffee maker. Like, you know, just a regular fancy coffee. Other than, like, a couple of programmable features. Like, you know, a, a timer or, you know, where you can set it up and have it ready to go when you wake up in the morning. Like, that's nice. But other than that, like, I don't know why you would want any more features. Like, you can't make fancier coffee... With drip coffee. Like it it makes a good solid cup of coffee.
1: Well, well, okay. Here's the thing is that there's like this one point where it does help help out. Like the $300 one I showed you. uh, A couple of the features on it are nice if you want to get the best you can out of essentially drip coffee, which uh, it talked about very precise temperature control, but also. The fact that instead of a single drip like the El Cheapo Mr. Coffee do, does, it has essentially a shower head that coats all the uh, grounds at once. So things like that do make a bit of a difference. It's not a $300 difference, but then again, right?
0: No, if you really want to up the, the flavor of your coffee, get a French press or use some other type of infusion or pour or brewing method. Yeah, because, I I mean, with drip coffee, that filter removes most, if not all, of the um, acidic nature of the coffee itself. Like, it just... All of the oils and stuff get filtered out. And Uh, Well, a lot
1: of these are also using the reusable filters like
0: I use. Yeah, but even with a reusable filter, a lot of that stuff will get blocked, especially over time. Like, you have to... Because I've used reusable filters before, and they do get clogged up if you don't really thoroughly clean them, at least from time to time. Uh, mine gets power washed in the sink every day <laughs> uh, with the hose. But... so I mean, fusion brewing is is way... makes a way better cup of coffee than percolation, which is what drip coffee mm-hmm. is. It's percolation. It's just not a percolator because it doesn't recycle the same brewing coffee through the grounds. Oh, I just found a percolator. <laughs> yeah. Percolated coffee is interesting. I think everybody should experience it, but it certainly is not great coffee.
1: Uh, there, I'm going to have to go find it. Uh, there was a... I think it was Technology Connections did a YouTube uh, video about yeah, percolators was. and why they suck. Okay.
0: It was Technology Connections. I, I watched that video. I used to drink like the – the I was introduced to coffee through per, through a percolator. Um, my grandfather let me drink coffee for the first time when I was a kid, and that's what he used. It was like one of the old-style metal percolators that you put it on the stove and you heat it up that way. And that was how I had coffee for the first time. And I hated it, but I felt so special being (laughs) a kid, getting to drink coffee. And then I just like kept drinking coffee and I've had percolated coffee since. And I mean, it's fine. It's not horrible. Like, you know, you get your caffeine, you get some coffee flavor, like it's fine. But I mean, it's not good. Even pretty much any drip coffee is better than percolated coffee. But then, any coffee that's gone through infusion, with you know the French press being the easiest, most accessible one, I think for most people, that'll take even your cheap store brand coffee and elevate its flavor quite a bit. So there you go. This has been out uh, my our TED talk. Um, <laughs> thank you for coming to our co- our coffee TED talk. This uh, has been uh, what ten uh, minutes uh, of coffee talk.
1: Yeah, I believe this would be a TEDx talk because it's ready to bullshit. Right. We'd have to be you know. Some sort of coffee connoisseur for it to be a TED talk, but TEDx, eh?
0: That's true. And we we heard a
1: coffee one time, so we're allowed to talk about it there. I mean, I'm a little
0: bit of a coffee snob, but
1: I haven't done my cold brew in a while. I need to do that actually. Yeah, I uh, do too, actually. It's been a while since I've I've done a cold brew. I mean, uh, I'm not sure if I could call myself a coffee snob because I don't drink my coffee black. Uh, I drink my coffee strong, but I uh, dilute it a little bit with the cream and sugar.
0: Well, I mean, I, it depends. I'll drink coffee pretty much any way it's given to me, but if I get to choose uh, cream and sweetener, I don't use sugar because, you know, it's diabetes, but cream mm. and sweetener of some kind. Um, but yeah, sometimes. But, yeah, but I also make my own uh, coffee creamer, so. Yeah. I mean, I. I I, you know, whenever I, to make a good cup of coffee, I grind my own beans. I, uh, you know, have my French press. Uh, I've used a vacuum brew kit before. They're a big hassle to set up, but they are very fancy.
1: Yeah. I've only done really drip and uh, cold brew, which
0: is technically not brewing.
1: but steeping, but that's beside the
0: point. Yeah. Um let's Let's get on the point of our show. Let's go talk about video games, huh? yeah Ooh. let's talk about the games that we played or in in short game. Um, so welcome to our TED talk about Battletech. <laughs> indeed, I think this is the first time this has ever happened because we had Battletech as a game club game two years ago. Mm-hmm. and I think this is gonna be the first time that we've had a game club game where we both come back to talk about it at the same time, having put way more time into it.
1: Yeah, but this is also quite different because we both played essentially as close to a total conversion you can with it still being, you know, in the BattleTech universe. Yeah, uh, it's revamp uh, we well, we both t- uh, played a lot of the uh BattleTech Commander edition. Yep, which is a close to a total revamp of the mechanics in the game.
0: Yeah, I think Commander's Edition puts as much tabletop stuff as it can into it while still sticking pretty on point to the 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 game experience. Like it's just it's a lot of content added, some new features, but everything is within the spirit of the video game. Whereas both like the other two big mods, Battletech Advanced and Rogue Tech, lean much more heavily into tabletop rules. And I, I've played Battletech Advanced, but I'm going to talk about that last so that we can both talk about Commander's Edition.
1: So, the Commander's Edition, what it does is it expands pretty much all the mechanics uh, on the mechanic side of things. It doesn't really add a lot of story, at least from the get go. It is pretty much the entire uh, timeline of Battletech from uh, uh, 3025 onwards, right?
0: Yeah, it goes from thirty twenty five to thirty sixty two, I think, which is from the timeline in the game, the end of the the Third Succession War mm-hmm. through um the end of the clan invasion. And it stops right before in universe what's called the Fedcom Civil War. Which I have no idea what that is. I take that bad. Yeah, the um the the, the Federated Sons and the mm-hmm. Draconis Combine come together. To become like a ginormous superpower in space. Um, And they have a huge civil war after the clan invasion and it fucks Mm -hmm. everything up royally. Well, that's the Battletech universe. I was going to say, good thing they never did that before, right? Nukes are easy, kindness is hard. Welcome to Battletech.
1: So I guess we should talk about mechanics was what they change, and I think the big one is it really improves the AI, so it, do, it isn't as suicidal?
0: Yeah, the AI isn't as suicidal, um and on top of that, they can make better decisions. the In, in the base game, for example, the AI can't reserve to the next phase, so you can really cheese the AI by making all of them move first, and then you can go last. Um, but in... In both Commander's Edition and Advance, the AI can reserve. So if you get into these like big reserving battles, everybody's units will just wind up in the final initiative phase. Which can be beneficial too, but but it's, it's not as easy to choose the AI like that.
1: And also the fact that the AI will do a tactical retreat to try to essentially let a pilot settle because pilots could get panicked to the point where they all actually eject both <laughs> yours and the enemy's pilots. So you have yeah. to be more uh, mindful of uh, your pilots, even if they're in you know your tankiest of tanks, they'll uh, start to get unsettled. Uh, what is it? Unsettled, unnerved, and then panicked. Yeah. And then once they hit the panicked, there you start rolling essentially for eject chances, and yep. you, and also if your guy gets knocked down it does an additional role uh, uh, for an eject uh, if you're panicked.
0: Yep. Um, also it, you said, it, you know, it makes the AI less suicidal. It also makes them think more tactically. There was some type of like essentially aggro on AI uh, in the base game. And so you could confuse the AI and get them to, to really spread out their fire Uh, But they'll make smart tactical decisions now and they will dogpile one of your units if they get it uh, damaged or made somehow vulnerable, like stripped of its evasion or knocked down. They'll dogpile it. Yeah, I had that happen a couple of times where I had essentially a bad
1: uh, uh, luck on uh, the the enemies picking the wrong mech to pick on and got a knockdown and they blew... Uh, well, uh, they caused an ammo explosion, which caused uh, enough damage to my guy that he died. Because, let's see, he got knocked down and then uh, lost the side torso, got a random head hit, and lost the other side torso. And I think he only had four health, if memory serves correctly. So, one of the uh, things I do have installed uh, that you didn't was the ability to see health. So uh, it makes it so that you're not having to try to guess on if a person has two or three or sorry, three, two through sorry, three, four, five or six health overall. So it allows you to make a more tactical choice, but, uh, that I swear the enemy knows that anyway on yours. So there's been a couple times that they've uh, done headshots where, uh, I was taking one of my rookies out to try to get more damage pips on them, or it could just be you know uh, luck of the draw, right?
0: Yeah, that's that feature is baked in by default in BattleTech Advance, being able mm-hmm. to see their health. Yeah, and yes, it makes a huge difference, uh,
1: especially whenever things go off in a particular order. It can make a difference on one or two health. So you uh, your pilots will lose health. If they lose a side torso, in ammo explosions, in knockdowns, and in head hits. Well, if a lot of things happen in succession, like a ammo explosion that causes a side torso to uh, to go off, that won't cause an additional damage. It'll just be one damage if I were correctly. But if it's the other way around, if uh, you have an ammo explosion happen somewhere else, while you're losing a side torso, like if, if the ammo is on the arm and the ammo explosion went off there, and it caused enough damage to, prog- to progress inward to destroy the side torso as well. Visually, it doesn't change anything, but it's one extra damage on the pilot. So yeah. that sort of little thing really helps. And I'm also running bigger drops, which where the enemy likes to throw a a lot more heavy stuff at you, and they're smarter, having the ability to eventually run two lances, it makes such a huge difference tactical, uh, tactically, where I'm not worried about, okay, do I want to have a missile boat? Uh, or do I w- want to be able to bring more front-line fire? Considering there's been missions where i fought four lances, which every uh, a lance is four mechs, it gets crazy anyway, even if I'm running eight max. It just feels, uh, a, it feels a lot more balanced. Yes, the lower end uh, missions are a lot more of a cakewalk now, but some of those four and five skull missions start to get crazy. And that's even before you start
0: getting into flashpoints. Yeah. I have, let's see, I'm just thinking about what I could say because I don't, I want to let you talk as much as possible because one, I've talked about. Commander's edition a bit before, and I'm going to talk about advanced in a little bit.
1: Yeah, uh, I think I've been kind of a law, the law before the storm because yeah. I, I know that in the year that I'm in, which I'm in February of what did I say, thirty twenty eight. Yeah, uh that's the year that the memory cores found. Yep, the helm memory core. I'm not sure what time of the year, but I think it's I'm,
0: actually in February.
1: Also, I'm pretty much, like, right there at it. Yeah. And that, and that introduces a lot more stronger mechs, if I recall correctly.
0: Yeah, in-universe, the Helm Memory Core is um, a repository of Star League knowledge. And suddenly, all this lost technology every, it's is reintroduced. And so all the major powers basically relearn technology. And you start seeing developments of... Um, Star League era type weapons, you get, you know, extended range lasers and ultra auto cannons. And you start to see mechs with the special armor types like ferro fibrous armor and endo steel chassis, which reduce weight and then do other cool stuff. You get XL engines, which are uh, always a fun gamble. Um, and, and, you know, so on and so on and so forth. And then l- later on, they start creating new technologies before the clans show up. But I mean, the clans don't show up until thirty, fifty, thirty, forty-nine, thirty-fifty.
1: So, yeah, and just because in the timeline, there's this lull between uh, the uh, where the game takes place, and yeah, you know, interesting stuff. It's gotten uh, admittedly a little bit of a ground, just because uh, I've had like, uh, well, as you talked about last time every month there would be a news uh, update pop-up saying, okay, well, uh, this faction has introduced this new mech or you know this uh, conflict's going on. I've had none of that for like a year.
0: Yeah, those go away for a long time, unfortunately. And then they come back. There's some stuff from a, a big war, and they come back for a little bit, and then they go away, and then they come back. And they stay around for the rest of, of the game as long as you... Because you get this thing called Mert News Magazine... That you can choose to subscribe to, which gives you all of those updates
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, or you can you know say i don't want it I don't want this, and then you don't get the updates,
1: yeah, so um, my well, twin lances or whatever the proper term for it is, runs three assaults usually <laughs> and weighs in just over five hundred tons of uh, uh angry metal uh, but like I said because I'm running the harder missions it doesn't feel like I'm cheesing things it gives me the options uh, I, it really feels like eight mech should have been uh, the the base even though yes I realized that the tabletop for uh, the in the lance and running one lance is the common thing right
0: yeah but I mean you know tabletop the tabletop allows you to run like campaigns with whole armies so it just depends on what you're doing. Like in sort of that single mission combat encounter, it, most of the time it's one lance versus one lance. Or on the, in a tabletop, you use what's called battle value, and you get given a certain number of battle value, and you can bring as much shit as you want within that battle value. But, I mean, let's be real, most of the time people pick mechs for those those fights, as opposed to armor or infantry or aerospace assets.
1: That's one thing I would have liked to seen is the ability to bring in uh, the uh, uh, vehicles, especially for some of the uh, missions that require uh, a smaller tonnage capacity. Because I got to admit that I've pretty much uh, mothballed everything that's uh, uh, on the the lighter side. I only have like three medium mechs available Mm -hmm. and only... And one of those is a, a daily driver, and that's just because I have a pilot that uh, that runs one of my missile boats that has like fifty, sixty missions in that mech.
0: Yeah, which so is per- that's called Mech Affinity, by the way, for the the listeners. Your in in the mod, your pilots essentially build experience in the mechs that they pilot, which unlocks bonuses for them. Um, and it it takes a lot of me- missions to unlock like max affinity with a mech, but yeah, I
1: think the max is fifty.
0: Yeah, Which but I mean, when obviously you get takes there, quite a while. Yeah, and when you but when you get there, then you want to keep using it because usually the bonus is something really good. Like some of them have unique bonuses, but even at you know just at, sort of for normal mechs, you still get like you know like plus one to all of your piloting skills, and you know plus you might get extra heat or, you know, cooling from it and so on. So it's worth it usually to stick with a a mech chassis.
1: (coughs) Yeah. And, uh, pretty much uh, the moment she dies, I'm going to mouthball the trebuchet and run two archers.
0: Yeah. So the, both the base game and commander's edition, because it sticks to a lot of the base game rules really suffer in my opinion from late game. It just becomes a heavy and, (coughs) Assault Mech Rush, um, which kind of sucks because it ignores the versatility and the utility of light and medium mechs from the tabletop experience, which is one thing that I loved so much about Battletech Advanced. Um, Battletech Advanced has permanent evasion, so getting shot at doesn't strip you of your evasion. The only way to lose evasion is to get sensor locked, uh, to get hit with a melee, which immediately strips all of your evasion pips if you get hit with melee attacks. And then there's a couple of weapons that strip evasion. Um, oh, and you get knocked over. But otherwise just generally getting shot at doesn't strip your evasion, which means that light mechs and, and medium mechs can get a lot of their protection from uh, evasion instead of armor. And so you can use those specialized mechs a lot more without fear of every time you take it into battle it gets killed. I have, a, I have one raven that I Got really lucky at the beginning of my BattleTech Advance playthrough, and I have been using that thing in almost every mission since the beginning of the game. My pilot who who drives it has got something like 250 missions in the Raven.
1: Boy, uh, that uh, Raven must stink at this point. Just think of the uh, <laughs> just think how that cockpit smells, right? Yeah, he never gets
0: out. He just lives in it. It's like, oh my god, but again. Uh, uh, go,
1: uh, now I am just thinking community with him living in the air ducts of the of the
0: mech. Yeah, <laughs> but um, because in 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 tabletop in lore, light mechs and assault mechs are usually really specialized. Um, assault mechs tend to be a lot closer to static defense positions, as opposed to highly mobile, uh, you know, war machines. And light mechs typically serve a, a specific scouting purpose um, or harassing purpose and then medium and, and heavy mechs are a lot more versatile and then depending on you know what the mission parameters are you might get a, a faster one of those mechs or one with more weapons or, or whatever and it really plays out that way because in Battletech Advanced you, you well one you can have up to 30 active mech bays so I have 30 mechs ready to go I've got- yeah, meanwhile uh, in uh, the base game it's uh, now, 18. I'm blanking. yeah,
1: eighteen. I, I was yeah. blanking on the number. And with uh, bigger drops, yeah, I'm using eight of them at a time. Yeah. So uh, if I have a bad mission, yeah, that's a good chunk of my uh, bay uh, busy uh, repairing things. Even though uh, with the mod, it does allow for three uh, mix being repaired at the same time. That's mm-hmm. still quite yeah. a bit of time, uh, especially if. Things did not go my way, and I got utterly fucked up,
0: yeah yeah i in my mech bay I've got six assaults, nine heavies, nine mediums, and six lights and i yeah. i use i use them all depending on what mission i'm mission type i'm running um but uh let's see what are i mean what are some other stuff that you want to talk about about the mod uh I'm trying to think of uh,
1: what else uh Uh, Well, I just uh, uh, entered an alliance with the Federated Sons, but I haven't done the Flashpoint yet. But it does make it so that uh, the factions are a lot more important, just because they start to get a lot of interesting shit, right?
0: Yeah, and when you ally with a faction, you get access to their faction store. Mm
1: -hmm. Which, unfortunately, is limited to
0: three for the Federated Sons, at least right now. I'm not sure they get more later on. They don't. All of the major houses have three or four, and then the periphery nations you can ally with, I believe, only have two. Yeah,
1: which uh, which kind of sucks is that it feels like it, the mod's trying to keep me in one particular area, just because all the flashpoints are in the, for lack of a better term, the southern third of the map. Yeah. Uh, the... Uh, uh, the faction store that I have the quartermasters two of them are in the so- are in the south and pretty much right next to one another
0: yeah I mean those all of those stores and everything come from the base game and all the flashpoints are set down in the periphery um, I don't think they any of the pl- the flashpoints ever are not in the periphery for commander's edition um in Battletech advanced not every planet has a faction store. But most planets have a faction store once you ally with a faction. Um, And the faction stores are varied a lot more than they are. It still has to do with what type of planet you're on. um, Because if you're on, like, a research planet, you have a higher likelihood to get special high-tech weapon. And then a manufacturing planet usually has a lot more stuff and, you know, sort of a lot more base equipment and, like, a higher chance for max, and, like, et cetera, et cetera. And that stuff plays into the faction stores in Battletech Advance. Mm Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a lot more factions in BTA as well. It adds a lot more of the periphery nations and uh, pirate nations.
1: Uh, one thing I, uh, that's not very clear to me, and this may just be, be being dense, uh, can I actually influence the faction wars uh, or push the faction boundaries outside of set events? Uh,
0: I don't think... in there's There is a mod that does that. Rogue Tech has it baked in by default. I think Commander's Edition you have to turn that on. Okay. Um. I don't. Re- I don't remember exactly because I remember because se- I'm on on the subreddit or not the subreddit the uh, the Discord group for it, and I remember seeing some stuff about that being added to it. Um. But I know that that's a thing. Like in Rogue Tech, you actually can participate in campaigns um, during the war periods to push, uh, boundary or borders. Um, and that's been talked about for Commander's Edition. But I mean, the, the map does change in Commander's Edition. There are plenty yeah. of wars and skirmishes that push the borders back and forth. And then the clan invasion shakes up the whole map.
1: Yeah. Just, uh, maybe it's just the fact that I'm in a lull right now. So it feels uh, like a bit of a grind. And like I said, that's not the fall of the mod. That's just the timeline. There's this, uh, giant empty space. Yeah.
0: The, um, the clan. Do you want to talk, or Do you want me to talk uh, about the clans for a minute? But you
1: can for a bit.
0: So the clans are. I mean, they're the shit. Uh, they they kick your shit in. Um, when the clans show up in in the universe, they there's this big exodus. A huge part of humanity leaves right before the all of the wars start. That where humanity bombs itself back into the stone age in some places um and so they leave and they form their own society and it's a whole deal but they they don't regress and so they show up with advanced technology and in in the commander's edition mod they kick your ass when you get there all of their equipment all of it uh is better than yours in every way every weapon they have um here here's what they have all of their weapons extended range more damage um and, uh, lighter weight. Pick two, and some weapons have all three. They do have higher heat output, like almost everything they have has higher e- heat output, but all of their mechs come with double heat sinks by default. And the clan double heat sinks are smaller than the inner sphere double heat sinks you can get. So you can pack more of them on a mech. Pretty much all of their mechs have, uh, Steel chassis or ferrofibrous armor, which means that they're lighter, um, so you can get the same armor protection for less weight. Uh, all of their mechs, like, their philosophy is kill. So um, a medium mech for them might have, you know, 14 lasers on it, like 14 medium pulse lasers.
1: Not compensating for anything, are they?
0: No, they're not. Not at all. Um most of their mechs are are weaponed out or gunned out like a class above. So most light mechs are have as much firepower as a medium, mediums is heavies, heavies is assaults, and assaults is oh my fucking god. So assault the part- is the entire uh weapon shop. Indeed. And then clanners use stars instead of lances. So they have five mechs to a formation essentially instead of four. And so Whenever you would fight, you know, three or four lances before, now you're fighting stars. So you would have an additional uh, three or four mechs to contend with. Um, I mean, claners don't fuck around. And the first time I went up against uh, the clans, I dropped in with eight mechs. Uh, I left with five, and I only had six of my eight pilots. Two of them died in my first engagement with the clans. Because they they will chew you up and spit you out before you can even get in range. But thankfully, I dropped with, like, four assaults and two heavies and, like, two scouts. So... In other words, do not take my stalker in. Don't don't fight them lightly. Um, They can outrange you. They can outgun you. Um, Actually, I had more than that, too, because the first mission I took with clans uh, was with a support lance. So I had, like four allies helping me like four AIs allies helping me and they still kick my shit in. I mean, once I manage to, to get some clan tech, it it starts to even the playing field because then you've got the same weapons and cooling capacity that they do. And you can start to uh, use your superior thinking and tactics to deal with their superior numbers and then it starts to even out again. But the clans were always a challenge. I never went up against the clans lightly. Um, yeah. But it's good. I mean, it's really good fun. Um, and you can make some crazy, stupid, powerful mechs with clan tech. Um, cl- oh, the clans also have max, which basically can be reconfigured uh, really quickly and can mount a huge variety of weapons on them. Um, so once you start collecting variants of the clan mechs, like whenever you break them down, instead of just going into, or sorry, whenever you put them in storage, instead of going in as like a fully stored mech, they get broken back up into parts. And then that's how it sort of represents the omni and then you can reconfigure them into a different configuration with the same set of parts. So you can get different weapon loadouts that way. Very cool. Um, clan mechs also uh, have got all Clamex have double, or sorry, have XL engines by default. Which XL you think extra large, but actually it stands for extra light. Um, they use special lightweight materials to save weight, but it makes them larger overall. So I guess it's a little bit of both. Um, but normal XL Max, which you haven't experienced yet, get uh, uh, I have actually uh, gotten a piece
1: of an Atlas two. Okay, and, and one of my flashpoints, which mentions
0: it has an XL engine. Okay, XL engines are a little bit of a gamble. You get huge weight savings; it cuts the weight of the engine in half, so you can get as much as like twenty or twenty-five tons back on a heavy or an assault mech with a really large engine. But if you lose a side torso, it's a met kill um, because the engine takes like juts out into both of the side torsos. But the clanners have got uh, their XL engines can actually survive one side torso destruction. Um, And that's because of the way that critical hits work in the tabletop, um, which is more important in Battletech Advance. But basically, they made it so the clan mechs don't blow up with one side torso destruction. You have to take out both side torsos. But an an inner sphere mech with an XL engine will go down with one side torso destruction. Although, you know... The fact that the one I've seen is an Atlas II, right? Yeah, assault mechs can really soak it up. Um I don't I don't worry about them too much. Yeah, so. uh,
1: yeah, my three assault mechs I believe are an awesome, a battle master and the stalker. Which the stalker oh. is you know, uh, just keep fighting, I'll get there eventually.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Although
1: it's fucking awesome to defend a base with.
0: Yeah. Stalkers pretty much are my de facto LRM boats. Uh if I want to go crazy with LRMs, the well
1: the Stalker has a, t- a LRM 20 on it. I have two archers and a trebuchet. I didn't really care for the longbow.
0: Yeah, the longbow kind of sucks in this iteration. Um the longbow is I, I think
1: it's has two LRM 20s on it and uh two LRM 10s. Yeah. It just requires so much ammo on it that it you know, basically burns itself out in uh, just a few turns.
0: I think that's the problem because the way that that uh, BattleTech does ammo, like in pretty much any other Mech Warrior or BattleTech universe game I've played, you get way more ammo per ton than you do in BattleTech, um, and so it just it doesn't have any staying power with its ammo loadout, which sucks. But yeah, that's
1: why tend to fall on, well, one, the trebuchet, because I have somebody that has like 60 missions in it. And I'm pretty much, she's uh, fused to the seat at this point. (laughs) Right. Uh, And the archers uh, each are running two LRM-20s, plus a couple support weapons. Or, I should say support weapons, I said secondary weapons, not the small lasers and that sort of thing, because honestly, I for most mechs that aren't going to be in the thick things, I'll actually pull those off for either more ammo or more armor. Yeah, uh, the Battle Master still retains its small, uh, its uh, support weapons and a couple of the other uh, more in the thick of it mechs do. Uh, but one thing I've discovered that you didn't realize was that you could essentially sprint into melee. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I had never realized that. Like I didn't. Um... Even though I had seen it happen before, I had just i never really connected the dots together so um, so
1: it's made melee a little bit more of an option now, huh,
0: yeah, although Battletech advanced completely redoes melee so um Is it better or I think it's way better um so battletech advanced i I guess I can get into the the nuts and bolts of this a little bit um. Battletech Advanced really goes for as close to a tabletop experience as you can get without throwing away pretty much the entire game. Because rogue roguetech is tabletop. It, like, the only way you could get any more tabletop is to play tabletop. But it basically throws away the entire battletech game except for, you know, sort of the shell that Battletech provides. Um so Battletech Advanced is as close as you can get to that. And it it makes some really major changes to the game. So it copy or it uses uh what's called I think Mech Lab or Advanced Mech Lab or something like that, where that it introduces the critical slot system and redoes the way that you build mechs. So in the standard game, the mech chassis that you get is the mech chassis that you get. Um you can change weapons and armor, heat sinks, you know, some equipment. But its engine is the same. Its chassis makeup is the same. You can't change the type of armor that it has. It is what it is. In Battletech Advance, all of that can be changed. You can change engines out for smaller or larger engines. You can change the heat sinks of a mech from single to double, which it follows the tabletop rule on that one. You can't actually mix and match heat sink types in the tabletop. You gotta go all single, all double, or all clan. But you can mix and match those. You can change the chassis type out from it being an endosteel steel chassis or a normal chassis. Um you can change the different armor types out, and there's a bunch. Uh ferrofibrous is um it's bulkier, but it weighs less. Or it's you know, it, it takes up more space, I guess, but it, it it weighs less. There's hardened armor types, which are heavier but provide more armor protection for the same space. There's stealth armor, which gives you bonus evasion, that's very cool. Um, there's ablative armor that's better against explosives, there's, uh, I forget what it's called, reflective armor, which is better against lasers, you know, so on and so forth. There's a lot of different armor types, actually. Um, It does away with the entire plus, well, not entirely, almost entirely, like the plus system for weapons. And instead, you get huge weapon variances and ammo types. So no more just standard SRM, LRM type ammo. You can get all the different types of ammo that exist in the game or in the tabletop experience and can use that to vary up your loadouts. Um, It completely rebalances all the weapons, damage, weight, range, and the amount of slots that they take up on your build. And so in in the base game, you basically want to get to either Ultra Auto Cannons or LBX Auto Cannons, which are like shotguns, as fast as possible. Um, And then you never look back to regular Auto Cannons again. But with uh, BattleTech Advance, they actually have a place because they take up less space because they're simple cannons, basically, whereas all of the other cannon types are a little more complex. And so even though they might weigh the same or do a little bit less damage, you can actually put more of them on a mech, which mat- matters for, like, assault mechs and stuff, um, where that you're limited more by the actual slots that you have versus the weight um, and whatnot. So... Um, and th- and that's just a simple example. Um, LBX auto cannons can fire slug rounds, and then they can fire the canister shots, which which is the shotgun rounds. So you get versatility in that. Ultra auto cannons can choose firing modes, uh, so you can fire one or two shots at the same time, and they get special ammo types. Rotary auto cannons are added, which are fucking powerful. Um, they can shoot up to six times in one round, and the more shots you put out of them, the higher chance they have to jam. But like a Rotary Autocannon 5, for example, you can shoot six rounds at 45 damage a round. So that's what? Two hundred and like 260 possible damage from one gun on one round? It's crazy. Um, but you probably are going to jam it there. But anyways, you get a huge amount of versatility in the weapons that you get. Uh, Indirect weapons are added, so mortars, artillery pieces, all of the the missile types are added, like Arrow 4 missiles, which are like cruise missiles, basically. Um, There are new types of flamers, new types of machine guns, new types of gauze rifles, like ammo weapon and ammo variants is where you get your loadout distinctions from, as opposed to just hunting down, you know, plus, plus, plus weapons. Um, which is cool. And then, like I said, the ability to completely customize a mech chassis down to everything. Um, mechs have gyros now. Like, so the gyro was something that you could add as like a a bonus that would give you evasion or bonus chance to hit in melee and things like that. Yeah, Basically,
1: I think it was every point. It was like a permanent half evasion pip. Yeah. Uh, and um, it was uh, basically acting like it was removing and uh, replacing the stock gyro. I take it,
0: not in this case. No, in this case, every Mac has stock gyros and actuators for arms, legs, feet, hands, and um, then the actual like balancing gyro. Um, some like some Macs don't have hands. You know that might be missing, or you know something else might be missing depending on the Mac. But otherwise, they're all in there individually, and you can customize each of them. And that's where your me- um, most of your melee stuff comes from. Um, you get gyros that are... Like, you can get a battle fist, for example. So it removes your hand, but it gives you bonus damage in melee. Um, but then you don't have your hand actuator. So it gives you a penalty to your two-hit. Um, you know, reduced accuracy, because it, it limits the mobility of your mech's arm, for example. Gyros for, like, the center torso, like, they're in there by default now. Um, and then you can replace them with better ones that do different stuff, you know, bonus evasion, um, bonus, like, move speed over rough terrain, or you know, whatever. Like, there's a a lot of different things that it adds for bonuses and, and negatives, like, certain gear gives you negatives as well. Um, melee weapons are a thing, um, like, so, you know, the, um, there were mechs, like the Hatchet Man, that have, like, a built-in axe, but in Battletech, Mechs can pick up stuff and use it as melee weapons. Ooh. And so that's like that's not like you can't pick up an arm off of the battlefield, but you can get weapons and and mechs that have hands can hold weapons to use now. So you can get swords, you can get maces, axes, battle fists, you can get shields, which give you um additional armor. Um and there's different types of shields. Like some shields give you just like a flat armor bonus or damage reduction to your whole mech. Can you, you throw your weapon? No, you cannot throw your weapon, which sucks. That would be cool, but you can't do that. Um, the melee system is completely different. So it does do the thing that your the melee mod you mentioned to me at one point does. Like if you are fighting hand to hand, you can reposition. Oh yeah, your I forgot I, I installed that. But but now because, you're, that, that should be stock. Yeah, it should be. But but now you have four types of melee attack. There's charge which you sprint into a melee attack. Charge does the most damage, but it also damages your mech in return. Um, so it's, it's a little bit risky. Like you usually dish sort out... Sort of me- like
1: Death from Above?
0: Sort of. It's not as extreme as Death from Above. Um, actually, no, they they have the, about the same amount of damage, but Death from Above concentrates it all on your legs. Charge concentrate, or doesn't concentrate. It It affects your whole mech. So you'll take 100 damage. For example, you might take 100 damage... I mean, and like it, it tells you this on screen when you select the melee attack, but you know you might take a hundred damage and it's just randomly o- spread out over your mech. So a little bit of risk, uh, but high reward. Um, then there's kicks, which specifically you know your mech kicks and it goes after the legs of the other mech so it can only target the legs. Um, then there are melee attacks or sorry there's there's weapon attacks and then punching. And weapon attacks and punching both only target the top half of the mech um and depending on your pilot skills, you can um might be able to attack twice for one melee attack or you might have some type of bonus because you can uh it changes there there are a bunch of skill changes and new skills added in this, and some of them are more melee focused and so might do additional damage you can knock an enemy back in the initiative round um you can um like have a chance to knock an enemy down with an, a a punch, even if they're not at their stability threshold. Um, cool stuff. And and whenever a mech falls over, it takes damage now. So you you know you can get the damage from whatever attack hit it to knock it over, and then it takes damage on one of its rear torso sections when it falls down. So that's neat. Uh, I've actually popped a couple of mechs by knocking them over, and enough damage went through that it destroyed the engine. Um, pilot deaths are a lot less frequent because since the, since all of the equipment is actually accounted for in the critical table list, you can have an engine get cored out and you can be critted, but your mech doesn't explode because it's just the engine that uh, stops functioning. So your mech is inoperable, but it didn't blow up and kill your pilot. Um, so that's nice. And then XL engines, whenever you lose a side torso, that's not a pilot death either. So I actually haven't had any pilot deaths in my playthrough so far of Battletech Advanced. Um, I've had lots of injuries. I've had some close calls, but no one has died yet. So that's good. Headshot injuries work different as well. You can actually get shot in the head and not take a pilot injury um, if it's with a light weapon. So support weapons and lasers don't do any pilot damage. Like don't Don't give you a, a wound unless your head armor is gone. So, you have to use auto cannons and PPCs um, and some of the larger missile types to actually do pilot entries. Um, permanent evasion is a thing, like I mentioned earlier. So, uh, oh, and you can sprint and attack on the same turn. That's amazing because you can do that in, in tabletop. So, okay, it adds a whole new list of bonuses and disadvantages during combat. So, for example, you can sprint and attack on the same turn, but you get a two hit penalty that goes up the farther that you sprint and the the more difficult terrain that you run over. Um it starts to become less of an issue when you have max level pilots that have an affinity with the mech that they're using, but especially in the early game like it's a real toss up like do I sprint and attack or do I, you know, not attack at all and just sprint or move normally and and maybe attack that way like that's a whole lot of tactical decision making into what you're doing. The heat system is completely revamped to follow the tabletop rules. Um, Your heat threshold for overheating is way lower, but you no longer take damage from overheating. Instead, you start to take the heat penalty, uh heat penalties that show up in the tables for the, the tabletop rules. So at first you get, uh you move a little bit slower, and then you have a penalty to hit, and then you start having to make uh checks for ammo explosions and uh, shut down Uh, mech shutdowns and pilot injuries but i mean you can peg out the heat rating on your mech and it won't take any damage which which i like so it actually adds the concept of having a mech that runs hot back into the game because in the base game and really in commander's edition as well like when your mech overheats you just start taking damage
1: yeah uh, pretty much uh damage uh, to all portions of the mech i think it's five yeah and for some mechs, yeah, you, know, you know, it could shrug that off and it could run uh, hot, but yeah, you know, that starts to add up, especially if you know it's a mech that's already taken a bit of a beating. Yeah. Honestly, I I tend to just try to avoid taking heat damage in general. I, and I have a, and I have a couple of mechs that naturally run hot that I have pilots that are able to use a coolant dump ability that will empty out their heat but it generates an extra bit of heat or sorry it it removes 50 heat out of the total 100 uh but then it then the mech for the next couple turns uh, generates a little bit extra heat yeah so you could use it as essentially a reset for like one last alpha strike before either falling back or uh start going in for uh more tactical strikes
0: yeah. Well, now you can actually have a mech that runs hot and it becomes a little bit more of a tactical decision, like you pushing it just above the heat bar for any mech is not a problem because your only penalties are at first you you start losing movement speed, and that does happen like you lose more and more movement speed the hotter that your mech gets, so you have to consider that, but you know you lose start losing movement speed and you start getting a very small penalty to hit um and so you know pushing a mech a little bit over the threshold is not a problem. But then the higher it goes, then it's, you know, and and you can see, like, you hover over the heat bar and it tells you, like, here's your chance for ammo explosion. Here's your chance for shutdown. Here's your chance for pilot injury. And it it tells you, like, how high the penalties are stacking. And so depending on what type of mech you're using and the type of situation you're in, you can choose to press your luck or retreat or, you know, what do you want to do? And so you make... I always have favored energy-heavy builds, um, which is... Not super great in the base game, because you have to be as close to heat neutral as possible or sacrifice you know maximum strike capability pretty quickly in a fight. But in this, you can keep pushing, and because there's no risk of ammo explosion, your only real real issue is shutdown and pilot injury, and with late game pilots, like you can shrug that off pretty easy, but I just I love the heat system. it makes flamers. And sort of secondary flame weapons, because there are Inferno missiles and other weapons that can cause heat damage. Um, It it makes those little secondaries a lot more useful, because you can push the enemy up to that heat threshold. And I've had quite a few enemy mech kills on ammo explosions. um, By keeping their heat threshold just high enough that every turn they have to make a check to see if they have an ammo explosion or not. It feels great. To yeah, take I haven't, out an atlas or a king crab with an ammo explosion. Yeah, I haven't uh,
1: actually ran uh, flamers in quite a while just because uh, I've been on a lot of uh, cold worlds. Yeah. And, Even in cold
0: worlds, flamers can be useful yeah, in, with this system, though.
1: Yeah, in uh, Commander's Edition, uh, you need to have more f- of a sustained uh, fire. I mean, Mex will catch fire to... Uh, Constantly add a little bit of extra heat and it does stack, but you basically need some mech with a flamer saying they're cooking a mech for a turn or two to be able to really uh, stack it up or several flamers, I guess I should say. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm at the point right now where uh, it's either, you know, strip down, uh, take uh, a couple lasers off or an auto cannon or, you know, just shoot them. Yeah. Because, uh, well, is there a mech in the, uh, let's say, even medium, uh, but especially the heavy and assault range that's flamer heavy, uh, like the the Firestarter
0: was? Um, no, I don't think so. Most mechs, once you get up to the heavy and assault range, if they have a flamer, it's a backup weapon or an anti-infantry weapon. Mm Mm-hmm. Um Which not, there's no
1: infantry in the game.
0: There isn't Battletech Advance. <laughs> not that you can control, but on especially on urban maps, but occasionally on other maps as well, where there are buildings, um, there can be infantry that are garrisoned inside the building that you that can fight you. Um and they can they can they can be bastards. Urban urban maps are a are a goddamn nightmare, depending on what mission type that you're in. Because uh, especially if it's like you're assaulting a base, they will lay traps for you in the city, and you can run into infantry garrisoning buildings, mines, which you can also set your own mines now. That's very cool. Um, or even mechs will ambush you from inside a building. The Ooh. first time it happened, I thought like something glitched out, like you know some like something messed up, or I missed like the animation where it drops the mech from the drop pod. But no, like they were- just Kool Aid man. Yeah. Yeah, that nope, that's what it did. They burst. Like I had two mechs burst out of a building in the middle of my formation, and it's like, oh, oops, that's very <laughs> cool, but also like, oh my, so frustrating. They that stuff is disabled for flashpoints, which I like. Um, I'm glad they turned that off because flashpoints are not balanced around that. But yeah, being able- yeah
1: flashpoints in uh, Commanders Edition can be a bit of a bastard. That's
0: why I enabled the, <laughs> the bigger drops changes all of the changes in this system both for how you how all the weapons work how you can customize your mechs um and then how things like uh permanent evasion and things change combat have made some flashpoints way easier some way harder and then the rest of them just get an interesting twist on them that you know it are they're you know it's almost like they're new again it it drops the entire campaign in as a flashpoint system. And oh my god, some of those missions are so hard. Especially the ones that are vehicle heavy. Like there's the one in the campaign where you go to the uh, planet where the Star League base is supposed to be. And for the first part of that two-part mission, all you're fighting are hover tanks. Well, hover tanks have the same speed as a light mech, And so it's like you have like 12 hover tanks that you cannot hit that you can't stomp, and there's so many of them that they can still overwhelm you and negate your evasion pit bonus. It took me five tries to beat that mission.
1: Uh, and that mission wasn't easy in the base game.
0: But then other missions, which were really hard, like uh, there's the, like, for example, the campaign defense mission where that there's the three transports you have to protect, and then they take off. That mission was, was always really hard in the base game because, you know, you've got your four mechs, and even if you manage to have, like, a couple of assault mechs by that mission point, it's still really hard because there's just so many enemies and so much shit going on. But with the way that things are changed and all the weapons that were changed and the equipment that I had, that mission was really easy for me because I just, I, like, I knew the mission ahead of time, so I took a bunch of AoE weapons in and laid waste. to their invading garrison. Just you know just saturate or just carpet bomb the area with uh laid mines everywhere and then set everything on fire, which speaking of setting things on fire uh you can do that now. you can set the ground on fire and you can burn down forests um and there there's pros and cons to doing that um when you burn down a forest or burn down a building or burn down whatever um you, it no longer provides any terrain advantage like you don't get any cover from it if you burn it down. Um, So, you know, that could be a pro or a con, but the fire spreads and you can use that to herd enemies because they will avoid fire because whenever a met catches on fire, it takes 90 heat 45 on the first turn and 45 on the second turn.
1: I really wish my old raid uh, partners would uh, learn uh, from that. Avoid the fucking fire.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then fire does double damage to vehicles because vehicles can't take heat damage. So burn it all down all the time, <clears throat> although the game chast- chastises you. it's like you like whenever you hover over a burned forest tile, it's like what an ecological disaster it's like <laughs> you did this, what an ecological disaster I'm yeah, like, oh. you yeah, you weren't even doing a gender reveal party ooh. that uh will superdate this to anyone in the future as if the fact that we you know put the date in the episode oh
1: don't oh don't worry
0: people will be fucking idiots in the future as well that's true that's true so let's see i think i think that covers it for most of the major system changes i i cannot express how much these things completely change the game um i mean you really can make things more useful like it so in the base game even in Commander's Edition, there are your good mechs and there are your bad mechs. And you will use a bad mech until you get a good mech and then you will never use it again. And they tend Not... to be the mechs that are in like the weird tonnage areas. Like a 40-ton medium mech sucks in the base game. And a Unless 60-ton... it has
1: some sort of weird quirk that makes it a lot better.
0: Right. And the Look. same for like a 60-ton heavy and an 80-ton assault for the most part. But with Advanced one, with all of the weapon changes, the range changes, the damage changes, um, slot you know, and tonnage changes, mechs can actually fill their roles a lot better. Um, combat engagements are no longer like at knife fight distance all the time. And so those mechs that have weird weapon loadouts for the base game make a lot of sense with Battletech Advanced. They made a little more sense in Commander's Edition because the maps were larger. But in Battletech Advanced most things have a longer range to more accurately reflect the tabletop stats for the weapons. And so you go from your average engagement distance being a couple hundred meters to being five or 600 meters or more, for especially for open maps. And so these mechs that have um, sort of range brackets really make sense. And so one, that makes Like great. the Stalker. Like the Stalker, like the Centurion, like the Dragon you know, so on and so forth. Like I could go on. Um, but mech, you know, mechs have these range bands and it makes a lot more sense. And then two, the fact that you can actually customize so much about a mech means that you can really get in there and make some of those designs that, um, make some of those designs make a lot more sense, um, or work better because you can actually customize it to, because lighter mechs have more evasion by default. And like, it's not just the light, medium, heavy bracket categorization but they changed the initiatives the way that the initiative works. And so there's 10 initiatives instead of five. Um, and so light medium max go before heavy medium max and light heavy max go before heavy ones and, you know, so on and so forth. And it changes up the way that the default evasion, you know, works. And so these lighter max can gain more evasion. So it makes sense to have a light heavy in certain situations or a light medium. um, you know the cicada goes from being an absolute piece of garbage to being an amazing light mech lance leader that can you know mount six medium lasers and six uh, extended range small lasers and backstab with the best of them. Like it just makes everything make sense because instead of and and you know I I'm not like criticizing harebrained schemes for this when they made the oh, game.
1: oh no sounds like what
0: you are they made an amazing game. I love the base game for sure. But you know, they tried to make it a lot more what's the right word? Accessible, understandable. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, certain compromises had to be made. Like, I totally get it. And this sort of thing wouldn't be for everyone anyways, because it's a lot of information to think about all the time, especially for a new player. But it really opens up the playing field to what you can do with mechs and lance compositions, and it doesn't make you think, okay, I have, you know, four assault mechs, so that's what I'm gonna take. It's like, well I need a scout. Um, a striker would be nice, or maybe a flanker. Um, do I want to go direct fire support or indirect fire support? Let me look at the map type. Let me look at, you know, the the heat or the planet type for heat and stuff like that. Like, So it really makes you make a lot more tactical decisions. And, I mean, yeah, sure, you can drop four or eight assault mechs on every mission if you really wanted to. But... It would it would take forever and be really boring. And hey, you might still lose anyways because lights can do a lot better job of swarming assault mechs in this game and than they can in the base or even in Commander's Edition.
1: Oh no, there's been uh, I had one mission where uh, I was up against three or four sw- uh, uh, lances of light mechs and they were fucking brutal. Yeah. But this was also before I was starting to drop a, a full second lance.
0: Well, permanent evasion makes that worse. <laughs> um. So, little bastards. Yeah,
1: I think I actually lost one of. I've only lost three uh, pilots in this entire. Uh, I'm like I said. I'm up in uh, to, uh, thirty twenty eight. So I'm how many years into the campaign? Three four.
0: Four, four years, yeah.
1: So, and I've only lost three pilots, and one was a fluke. Uh, an in, uh, enemy came in for a melee and got a lucky headshot. Uh, one was uh, the uh, a uh, well. Uh, one thing that irritates me about BattleTech, uh, the base game, and uh, pretty much any mod is uh, w- uh, getting shot. Uh, from a random direction. Oh yeah! By the way, I've detected it'll uh, be uh, uh, mechs uh, 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 inbound. It's like you could have told me that five minutes ago, right? Yeah. Well, I got hit with. I'm pretty sure it was a hunchback, and it took out the leg of uh, my battlemaster because the way it works for uh, those who don't know, uh, essentially, the bigger mechs are a lot easier to hit in general. And the Battlemaster is this big slumbering uh, uh, thing that uh, that deals a hell of a punch, but it can be uh, overwhelmed and be easy to hit. I'm pretty sure a hunchback took out a leg and knocked it down. And uh, you know, then it just got swarmed, and I lost a pilot there. And I got another unlucky headshot from another hunchback just blowing off the head of uh, uh, another, uh, I think it was a medium mech. So, uh, but still, that's not bad. Three pilots in four years, right?
0: Yeah, it's pretty good. I uh, In Commander's Edition, I lost I think six pilots on the road to the clan invasion. So from 3025 to 3049, I lost, I think, five or six pilots. And then in the the two or three years that the clan invasion happens, I lost another 12. And then oh, after the clan invasion, I've lost another six. And well, to be
1: fair, uh, uh, one was just a fluke. Well, I should say two were, were flukes. And one was, you know, Daria saying, uh, you know, not
0: watching the damn uh, uh, scope until after the fact, right? Yeah. B- uh, BTA just kind of does away with that. Um, except for flashpoints, it, whenever you drop, it gives you all of the objectives right up top. So even though Darius will still say like, Oh, looks like there's enemy reinforcements when they actually shoot at you. It'll say up there on your objective marker, like, you know, uh, optional objective, you know, kill the enemy reinforcements and you can click on it and it takes you to the rough area where they spawned.
1: Yeah. Uh, one thing that's kind of neat, at least in uh, Commander's Edition, is that they randomize uh, at least somewhat the spawn locations. So there's a couple times that I have a hot drop, and it's a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, cause everybody gets five evasion pips, and it becomes basically a, a Rock'em Sock'em Robots for a, a turn or two.
0: Yeah, Advance does that as well. Um, the last thing that I have to say, uh, about advanced is that like uh, every one of these big mod packs and everything that I've ever seen, it adds a bunch of little story stuff to it. Those little, um, quick stories you get while you're flying around, like you get a pop up and it's like, you know, so-and-so did the thing, like, what is your choice? And, um, you know, you pick a thing and you get an outcome. It adds a ton and I'm st- I'm still finding new stuff from it. So, um, one, it adds several unique pilots. Um, I think they're the mod team that make the mod. Um, but it adds several unique pilots that each have their own little backstories that you can find and progress. Um, one of them, for example, was a, a former clan um, pilot. And she was exiled, and so she joined up with you. And if you go back to her former clan territory... Like, you get one of those things that, pop, you know, pops up and she talks to you and it's like, hey, you know, I was with Clan Jade Falcon and and that's, that's one of the clan names, Jade, Jade Falcon. i just make that up. Uh, but, you know, I was, you know, with Clan Jade Falcon and we're going into their space and, you know, if you order me to, like, you're, you know, the commander, I will fight them, but I'd rather not. And then based on your decision, you know, you can get further story information with her and more stuff from her backstory It unlocks, like, an extra ability for her that she has if you get, I guess, the right outcome. Um, There were some cats. So one of my (laughs) members brought cats on board the ship.
1: um, Uh, uh, But, to be fair, that's in direct violation of Darius's
0: uh, no fuzzy things on the dropship. Yeah, there's an announcement that pops up on the dropship that's like, if you find something fuzzy, you know, pet it there. Don't bring it back on the dropship. Well, one of the crew members brought some cats back on the drop ship and you can choose to get rid of them or you can choose to keep them. And so I, I was like, all right, let's keep the cats. And then it developed into this story um, with it It was the cook and she brought the cats onto the ship and um, you know she takes care of them. You meet another spacer at some point who really likes cats and so you can send him cat pictures and you do and then he becomes friendly with you and then you run into him again in the future and he can join your crew and then the cook who had the cats like she hooks up with him and he teaches her how to pilot a mech and so she can become a pilot for you and then they can get married and so then you can have like a married mech warrior couple on your ship and like on on and on like the story like continues to progress from that up to a certain point you know and then like you finish it and you've got Two mech warriors that have cats in their uh, mech like pilot pictures, um, and in my pl- in my playthrough they're married, so that's cool. I always send them on missions together. It's like okay, they're either going to live you know together or die together. So, they're they're a pair of of cats. You know, they they both pilot scout mechs. Um, and then there are other things that are added as well that become long running, like little story things. So there's there are several of these, but the one I'm gonna mention because I think it's one of the, the best ones that I've found so far, is um you can get a pilot, like it's just one of the random uh abilities or random little descriptor things that pilots can have, like reliable and brave and uh cowardly and and like whatever. One of them is driver. And so you can get a pilot with the driver uh tag and at some point they come to you and are like hey this planet you know insert planet name is well known for its racing if you want to invest you know x number of money in in buying a car and then you can be my co-driver we can enter these races and we can win some serious cash and you can choose to do that and then you know if you choose to to invest in a in like a race team essentially you get a car and it and like this is all story stuff. It doesn't show up in your mech bay or anything like that. It's just, you know, you get a car and you can go look up what kind of car that you have. Um, and then whenever you go to planets that have racing leagues on them, you get a pop-up that's like, hey, this planet has got a race. Do we want to participate? Yes or no? And then it tells you like what the type of terrain is for the race, and you can give like a, a general strategy, like drive aggressively, take the shortcuts. We've got a you know a tough vehicle, go for the dangerous route. You know, whatever, and then you win or lose, and you slowly start building up status as a driver, and you get more and more rewards for doing so. And I think something's going to open up afterwards from it. I don't know. I hope it leads to a flashpoint. Um, there have been some of these that have led to flashpoints. These little events that le- lead to custom flashpoints that are part of the mod pack. Some of them are really cool, uh, like heists and stuff. Which there is one heist in from one of the DLCs. It's it's Yang's big. Sp- uh, Yang Vertanen's big score, which that's your like chief mech mechanic. There's one of those but then there's a whole bunch that you can get to branch off from these little uh, flashpoint decisions that you get. So there's just a lot of little extra things like that added. And then vehicles are coming to Battletech Advanced. They In the mo- their most recent update, they changed up the HUD um, to improve because managing five mech bays with 30 mechs caused some weird glitches that sometimes you'd have to reload the game otherwise the mech bay wouldn't work or you would have mechs that would disappear but like they would still be there they just wouldn't show up and you couldn't access them so they fixed a lot of that and updated the HUD and like as a tease they put in the uh, the vehicle bays so vehicles are coming to Battletech Advanced yeah I
1: think I'll wait for that one Uh but uh I have had a couple odd uh, bugs on uh, Commander's Edition as well like, uh, especially going to the store to try to pick up something uh, from the mech bay, because there was a couple times before... Uh, well, one of the things uh, in Battle of Tech of, uh, Commanders Edition is that Darius is a lot better negotiator, where uh, if you're uh, gone uh, far enough in the reputation with the your employer you'll be able to start bundling smaller items into a single loot roll. So uh, the big one is usually uh, lasers or weapons, where medium lasers, uh, if I'm with the Federated Sons, which is my uh, ally, I may have a chance of a loot roll of like five or six uh, medium lasers. Or uh, uh, light and maybe medium mechs. Uh, ones that uh, especially medium mechs that have the quirk uh, bad reputation, so they're worth less. Uh, I may get two or maybe even three p- uh, pieces of that mech in a single loot roll. So it makes it so that it, I don't feel as punished for uh, just picking off the heads of uh, mechs, uh, where you could just uh, have a lot more options in the uh, in your loot. And on top of that, I did kind of go in and I upped the amount of money I get back from uh, selling things. Because you gotta admit that it's piss poor even if you're selling to an ally, huh?
0: Yeah, in the base game, it's 15%. Um...
1: Which I realized, you could uh, break the economy of the game really easy by selling like two assault mechs. Which I sold uh, a longbow because I absolutely hated trying to use it. Uh... Uh, and something else, and I also have the weapon or the uh, machine shop, so I'm able to essentially pick and choose the varied of mech I want. If assuming I have at least one part of it, so uh, it's made it so that I'm able to uh, have a little bit more flexibility on what loot I get, and also be a little bit more picky if uh, extra equipment shows up, like uh, gyro show up, uh, arm mods show up, even though I don't really use a lot of them. I still kind of want that hatchet man, but I haven't been able to get over there yet. Uh, But uh, that is one thing that I really like from Commander's Edition that we didn't talk about, was just bundling the loot.
0: Yeah. um, The individual mod for that is called Loot Magnet, but that's baked into uh, Battletech Advance as well, um, where it it bundles the loot. And you do have a higher chance, like you said, you do have a higher chance of bundling, getting loot bundles with factions that you're friendlier with.
1: Yeah, but also on the flip side, if I'm doing a contract for the local pirate group. Well, on top of getting piss poor money. Because I'm like max uh, enemy with them. they There's a high chance that they'll uh, interrupt. Uh, say, and try to pull a, call, uh, a clause on the contract. Uh, to uh, screw me out of uh, some pieces of loot. And they usually will uh, cop me uh, other items. But it's usually not worth it. Although there was one time I got screwed out of, uh, I want to say it's an Oslo, Oslo,
0: uh, Oslo,
1: Oslo. Sorry, yeah, uh, yeah, the the heavy mech that's uh, the Laser Light Show, yeah, and they ended up giving me a bunch of LRM twenty plus pluses. So I've outfitted both uh, my archers with them. And I have like three or four to spare. <laughs> it's like extra stability damage and negative heat, which is major for our, uh, a big LRM.
0: Yeah, um, that's one thing you don't have to worry as much about either, like reputation stuff. You can one of the things you can buy in the store is uh, you can bribe local officials, and so you can you you do have to be able to access the store. So if your re- reputation is below eighty you do have to take on shitty contracts until you can get it back above 80 where you can access the store. Or, I should say, above negative 80. But then you can uh, bribe local officials. And every time you do a bribe, you get uh, 15 points, uh, 15 rep points back. And so that makes it really easy after breaking an alliance or something, all the enemies of the faction you were in, instead of having to grind them back up to become allies and get flashpoints and equipment and stuff, just go bribe them. And then the same thing works for the Pirates. You can always bribe the Pirates if you have access to the black market, no matter what their reputation is. You can just bribe the Pirates. Yeah, that's one
1: thing that's kind of bit me in the ass. Thankfully, it was after I sold uh, quite a few uh, medium lasers, which, you know, I had a few, like, hundred. Yeah. Uh, I bought my way into the black
0: market, and it's like, plus 800%. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Yeah. The, uh, the pirates, um, in, in the base game and in Commander's Edition, you cannot get permanent access to the black market, but you can get as permanent access to the black market in advanced, I believe. Like, as long as they like you enough, you don't have to keep paying the fee. Cause I've got a positive reputation with the pirates. Um, you can, you can do this weird thing where you can take missions as the pirates against pirates, but get, you get more positive reputation than you lose. So I farmed those for a little while, and, and the pirates like me. And so I haven't had to pay for access to the black yeah, You're like their type of scum, years. right? That's right, I'm their type of scum. And there's a lot of different pirate factions now. So you can just kind of shit kick one of the small pirate factions to get... rep. Gain yeah, that's one thing that's kind ones. of funny is I
1: picked on the local faction of uh, pirates in this one system. And suddenly all the local pirates are like, you kicked uh, that local pirate's ass,
0: we don't like you, yeah, so I keep thinking of little things in my head like oh, there's this, and oh there's that, but i mean i I probably should stop, yeah, we
1: uh, ended up having quite the like mini game club for this, huh
0: yeah so i I think that's the right progression though, so if you if you dear listener have made it through another hour plus conversation of us talking about Battletech. We're sorry. And <laughs> and you want to play it and you haven't yet, or you've played the base game but you want to get more out of it. I think the Commander's Edition is the first thing to get. Because, er, excuse me, the Commander's Edition mod. It's It adds a lot of stuff to the game that makes it a lot more in-depth but doesn't get too overwhelming.
1: I would say go in and check out the optional Flashpoint uh, editions as well. Because some of them have to be installed with the new game, right? Like there's uh, the gladiatorial fights that I missed out on because I didn't look at the DLC or not even DLC, the additional add-on packs for Commander's Edition,
0: right? Um, and then if you want even more out of that, go for BattleTech Advanced. Um, and then you know maybe Rogue Tech after that if you have like a monster like. Editing com- rig with like a, a a million gigs of RAM and a futuristic like GTX, I don't know, 5000 series or something. Rogue Tech will kill your machine. I want to play Rogue Tech now that I've played Battletech Advance and have a better understanding of how the game treats the advanced mech lab and stuff because it's the same system in, in Rogue Tech for like mech customization and, and things like that. But I I cannot handle 10 FPS all the time. So I'm going to let that one bake a little more until they get some better performance out of it or until I get a better computer. But yeah, I definitely feel like base game, uh, play through the story, get a feel for it. Commander's Edition, get way more shit. Good shit, not bad shit, good shit. Um, And then if you still want more Battletech Advance, because then you really start to get into the nitty-gritty, like I said, of really building your mech and getting all of the cool uh, weapons and ammo types and things like that. So two thumbs up. Yeah,
1: obviously. And the main reason why I went back to Battletech was MechWarrior 5
0: disappointed me that much. Yeah, well, I've got... One thousand two hundred and eighty six hours in Battletech right now, and I'm not stopping anytime soon so
1: well, it's been kind of Battletech and city skylines as a kind of a background games during the day mhm and I'm up to two hundred fifty hours two hundred fifty five sorry in city skylines or battletech battletech okay- city, city skylines I'm sitting at uh one hundred
0: twenty four okay yeah. I've entered the mod phase of City Skylines now. But oh, uh,
1: did you take a look at the list I put on the Discord?
0: I did. Oh. Um I started with uh the traffic mod. Yeah. And some stuff that adds like interchanges and things like that like you know that people have built uh, mm-hmm. that way I don't have to. And theirs looks way better than mine anyways. So. I kind of
1: well uh with uh, the movement mod uh essentially I get the base uh, uh, put down, and then i just start tweaking the roadways instead of uh worrying about getting it perfect uh with the road construction tool because the game can do some odd things with terrain and especially bigger buildings, yeah,
0: um I also am using the mod, or well, there's a couple that do this, but one of the mods that opens up all of the territories for purchase, yeah, um, that way you can get the an, an entire map. Yeah I, got kinda,
1: yeah, I got kind of screwed over on my location, uh, so I kind of had to unlock the entire map in order to you know, not get caught with tsunamis, but we're talking Game Club stuff when we really shouldn't right now. That's true. Very true. Uh, I do need to take a quick trip in the
0: elevator, though. Okie dokie. We'll take a short break and then be right back to talk about the news. Do-do-do-do-do. Time to do the news. Uh, our first news topic of tonight... The uh, Mario thirty fifth anniversary, anniversary, let me try that again. The Mario thirty fifth anniversary, anniversary. I did it again. God damn it! Third time's a charm. The Mario thirty fifth anniversary limited release uh, was announced, um, and it's exactly what it sounds like—a limited release, so kind of like how the Disney Vault does stuff. Um, Only this
1: they, is even more blatantly anti-consumer because yeah. the disney vault tends to be uh more geared towards physical releases you know the uh, the dvd blu-ray of you know pretty much anything disney does except for song of the
0: south <laughs> right and they tend to be when they do the release it tends tends to be some type of something special in some way
1: yeah for this okay well th- there were three major things and two of them are limited release so they they're doing a uh, co- a compilation of three mario brothers games uh, or sorry uh, sorry correction four things because there's uh there's the th- uh, three uh super mario 3d all-star collections so it is super mario or sorry uh, 3d all-stars I'm sorry, I'm double-checking on this. Uh, uh, okay, this is uh, Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy. The first one, that is. Uh, forget the second one for some reason. Uh, and it's being offered both in digital and physical, but uh, come March of next year, gone. Not being sold physically, not being sold digitally. And it's like the top pre-order game right now on Amazon or uh, uh, in the top five. And it's uh, t- hitting the top of the charts on pretty much every metric uh, out there because you know, 2020
0: is the year of the canceled games, right? Yeah. Not only is it the perfect time to to do this for pretty much any property that has any type of clout, but it's Nintendo with Mario and some of the most beloved mario titles like i don't know of anybody i'm sure there are people out there who hate super mario 64 and i'm sure there are plenty of people out there who have a a more (laughs) balanced view of it but you know the general consensus online is that super mario 64 is the fucking goddamn jesus of video games and you better not say anything bad about it
1: uh it's sort of up there with ocarina tom yeah
0: Uh yeah Um Super but- Mario Galaxy is was super beloved. Um and then not as much as far as I know for uh, Super Mario Sunshine. Super Mario just- Sunshine
1: as far as I know was kind of like the uh, the one that everybody kind of skips over. It's not yeah. a bad game. Uh, it's just kind of it was in this weird place because it was the game uh, cube exclusive. Yeah. So uh and the GameCube obviously didn't do nearly as well as the 64 or uh, the Wii, obviously. Yeah. So not uh, not as many people played
0: it. Which I did. I, I actually played uh, Super Mario Sunshine. I really liked Sunshine. Um, I like Sunshine more than 64, not as much as Galaxy. And that was the last Mario, like, proper, you know, quote-unquote proper Mario game that I played was... Uh, Galaxies.
1: Oh well, they're also doing a 3D land in another game uh, as a, another compilation. But I, I forgot about that because the fourth thing was uh, something different. Or no, that's right. Oh, that is the fourth thing. Sorry, it's kind of all mixed together because Mario. Th- this bucket of Mario. This bucket of Mario. This uh, thing and this thing. Yeah. So, uh, and that's also on limited release on both uh, physical and digital and they're also doing a re-release on the game watch as a essentially a pocket handheld, a pocket-sized handheld with the original uh, Super Mario Brothers, uh, Super Mario Brothers lost levels which was Super Mario Bros. 2 in Japan. Uh a special a version of uh Ball which was a, a Game and Watch game. So, and it has a full on color LCD screen for for 50 bucks. Which isn't bad for a handheld, but yeah, a super limited one like that. eh. Yeah, but and they also say uh, available in limited quantities, so you know scalpers are uh, yeah expect to add a one in front of that. Yeah, at
0: least. Yeah, I mean, the I've seen Mm -hmm. a lot of people who have been like, "Oh yeah, you know this is great," you know all this other stuff, and. You know, praising it and praising Nintendo for doing this, and all I keep thinking is if literally any other company did this, yeah, that's the it, thing is they would be the worst ever, but Nintendo gets a pass because they're Nintendo, I guess, and I mean I don't think that this is any worse than a lot of other decisions that companies make, you know, the Disney Vault and God knows e a and Ubisoft and you know et cetera, do horrible things but i mean this is not a consumer friendly thing like if you if they did like a limited release for some type of special edition like you could buy the 35th anniversary edition you know bundle or what you know whatever and you know there was a limited run of some type of special edition thing that came with some extra stuff or that came with i don't know like a gold case or whatever like okay fine you know fair enough you have your special release for the diehard fans and then for people who like me, might like to play these Mario games again, you know, at some point you know, we could pick up the, the digital edition or a second-hand copy but they're not doing that, so
1: I mean, there will be physical editions out in the wall, but they will be uh, hugely inflated prices just because of the limited nature of it and that's yeah. even assuming that all three games will be on the physical version it could come with a code, who knows, right? because it's still on pre-order right uh, and uh, same thing with uh, Mario Battle Royale. Yes, Mario in a Battle Royale game, where it's Super Mario Brothers, uh, but it's using the same mechanic as Tetris 99, where uh, random shit could happen, and you could also target people or uh, uh, target people randomly. It's it's interesting, but the fact that once again they're limiting it. There's so many uh, of. It's almost like Nintendo's afraid to put Mario out there for a, a, an extended portion of time. Like they're gonna have some sort of brain saturation. Never mind that the list of Mario games is yeah, you know, uh, almost as long as the a list of Kingdom Heart games, right?
0: Yeah. And never mind the fact that when anyone who thinks of video games that doesn't know a lot about video games, they probably are gonna think Mario. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Don't mind me, just knocking shit off my desk
1: yeah it's just this doesn't make sense to me i mean i understand uh eventually wanting to pull battle royale off uh, because you know battle royale requires an active player base more so than pretty much any other genre even though they are limiting the size of the battle royale to 35 people so right yeah it's not going to be that crazy it's not you know needing you know Uh, Thousands of people to get just a handful Of matches going on But that's uh, why I'll tell you you Creating this artificial uh, Fake Urgency you know that FOMO Fear of missing out So damn it, I need to get this Need to try to find a switch somewhere But oh can't do that because you know once again their, Their own supply chain Bites them in the ass Because Outside of buying it secondhand or from scalpers, I don't know where you can get a Switch
0: right now. Yeah. What else? Just... Mm, I'm going to go look for Nintendo Switch uh, on Amazon. Just for shits and giggles, because Amazon's pulled up here right now.
1: Yeah, the, the Nintendo Switch on Amazon is $300, plus another 20 shipping.
0: And that's UK import. Yeah, here's one... Only three left in stock. Order soon, $479. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah.
1: Yeah, the Switch lights are more in stock right now. Matter of fact, Anita was able to get one, so she's been playing Pokemon, I, I'm not sure Sword or Shield, but one of the Pokemon games, one of the Pokemans. hmm But, uh, yeah, she wanted to hold off to
0: get a full
1: Switch, but just couldn't find them for months.
0: Yeah. And I mean when I got my Switch, I bought it second hand from someone that I know in my D&D group. So before we caught the corona, right? Before yeah, before any of them caught the COVIDs. I mean, the top uh, result
1: here is Nintendo Switch 32 uh, gig console uh, for $419. And that's not the uh, and that's not even the most expensive one I see on uh this list. I mean, how Amazon renewed stock is is three hundred and eighty nine I mean that's just fucking ridiculous.
0: yeah, starting to get new joy cons for my switch, specifically the right one. The analog stick is messed up. I mean, it's usable, but it's a little weird. I think I talked oh. about that last week when I talked about Skyrim or maybe two weeks ago playing Skyrim on Switch. <laughs> well, just for the hell of it, I went
1: to uh check out the price. Uh, A pair of Joy Cons right now, eighty bucks. Eighty bucks, yeah. I'm not sure what the standard price is. Eighty bucks, I think. And in stock October for all of them except for the neon yellow. I'm not sure if uh, uh, what color yours are, but
0: mine are the plain gray ones. Um, I don't. I mean, the brighter the color, the better. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry.
1: The gray ones will be in stock. uh, Yeah, towards the. Uh, middle of the month,
0: yeah. I figure as long as they don't like completely crap out, it'll be good for the rest of the year. That's just ridiculous, you know. Yeah,
1: and it's just artificial scarcity and, and Nintendo getting a pass because of Nintendo. Yep. Now there are a couple interesting things. Uh, the the Game and Watch is kind of cool, but they're going to be extremely limited stock. So, yep, yeah. eh, right. But, yeah. Uh, the AR
0: cards are. Fascinating. Uh have you seen this? Mm, Yes. Yes, I have. Um the Mario Kart RC cars that uh use augmented reality and you like build a track um and it puts the layout for you on your TV and you drive the car. And getting items can do stuff uh like make your car go faster or uh stop opponents' cars. Mm -hmm. And then it it uses um, AI Cars that aren't like physically there, obviously, but yeah, yeah, that's the, the augmented reality. reality.
1: Yeah, it's uh, controlled through the switch. So once again, good luck finding one. They are fucking expensive. I think they're a hundred pounds. Uh, the uh, only place I've seen a price quoted was the was a UK uh, uh, article. Uh, and uh, each one requires their own switch. So if you have a second player, they require their own switch and own car, and all the additional stuff is cardboard. <laughs> Because Nintendo, right? Yeah. It's very cute, though. Yeah, it's cute, and it's very fascinating. And it's. Uh, I, I'm fascinated by AR games. I'm not sure if I have the room here if I wanted to build a, a course short of you know, running it up and down the hallway. Because you know, they show this absolutely massive living room, right? Yeah. But then again, it could be some sort of... Because you're looking at the screen and not the card itself. The way it's displayed, it can make it feel faster, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's all uh, fully rechargeable as well, which is nice. Uh, it would be interesting to see if uh, if it can handle outdoor stuff. Like, if you could take it outside uh, into like a parking lot or somewhere. That would be interesting. I not thought about that. Uh, where, uh, but uh, who knows what type of... Uh, if they're doing... Uh, yeah, like it, the car has to be on the local network, or if it's doing Wi-Fi Direct, uh, like a hotspot to the Wii, or sorry, not not the Wii, the Switch we were talking about the Wii earlier. So, uh, if uh, depending on how the Switch is controlling it, it may be limited to indoors on the network, which is actually a damn shame.
0: Yeah, that would suck because um, the Twitch has or the Twitch, the Switch has got built-in both uh, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. So they could control it using some type of local sort of ad hoc type thing. Yeah. That would be awesome. Or just Bluetooth, you know. If yeah, I'm not Bluetooth. Sure.
1: yeah, I'm not sure the range on a Bluetooth controller for uh, uh, a uh, cart that
0: size. Yeah, good point. I mean, most Bluetooth devices have got a range of 10 to 20 feet, which for uh, your living room or dining room or whatever would be more than enough. But to take it outdoors, it might not be.
1: Yeah, uh class 2 uh 10 meters or 33 feet. Uh I'm just uh lo- looking at ranges and it depends on the class of the uh of the bluetooth connection as well. I do know some bluetooth can get decent range, but it once again it requires a pretty beefy antenna on it as well, which yeah, you know, we're talking about a, a, a it wasn't hand uh, yo know, hand uh, palm size, but it was Not a massive card either. Uh, But what's fascinating about this is the fact that it's not just you're first building the course as well. So you're able to essentially paint the uh, course running through various checkpoint gates. And it remembers the uh, course uh, well enough that it's able to populate it. Mm -hmm. I I do wonder if they would have some sort of mode where you could also build like forks in the road, like uh, like Mario Kart proper has, or you know, uh, options for shortcuts. Uh, that but that might be asking a little bit much, especially for uh, yeah, for uh, well, first generation AR racing, which feels a little weird, huh? Yeah, uh, is, is there anything else that, or, or any other uh, product quite like this? I know the DS had the. And uh, actually, the Vita as well had AR cards that allowed for some sort of AR gaming, but this is a huge leap forward. Uh, yeah. I know, I know Pokemon Go, obviously, but that's... Honestly, Pokemon Go is more of a, you know, getting out and walking and flicking balls at things.
0: Yeah, I don't think... I, I mean, there might be something that I'm not aware of, but I don't think any... um any other games use AR that aren't mobile titles? Because there's, you know, there's Pokemon Go and there was, like, the Harry Potter one and somebody, did, like, a yeah, shooter.
1: Yeah, there's the Jurassic yeah. Park one. And yep. uh, I, honestly, a, a lot of the... I'm, I'm just looking at augmented reality games. Uh, uh, the closest you get is, like, Minecraft Earth where uh, you're, you go out and collect resources and you build things that you could put in the <laughs> world. But, yeah, it's still, once again... The Pokemon Go thing where it's kind of just hovering there. This, uh, at least according to the trailer, which of course is full-on marketing bullshit. So yeah, it could just very well not work as well as they show. Uh, It showed pretty well at handling uh, obstacles in the real world. Now, the real test, of course, is a cat, right? Right, <laughs> but yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at AR games, and pretty much everything falls around uh, either having some sort of card like the DS does uh, to place down to use as a essentially a landmark, or the Pokemon Go model where technically it's out in the world, but not really. So, mm, right, yeah, uh, of course, this is just yo. Know, what well, I'm able to find uh, on a quick Google search, and most of this is following around uh, uh, mobile stuff as well, which is a little bit eh, like, huh? There's a Ghostbusters one now, which I have a feeling follows the same thing. Oh, actually, it looks like it may be offline now. <laughs> did, did really the Ghostbusters one uh, not even uh, last that long? I, don't, I, don't I, mean, I didn't even this. hear about it until
0: you just mentioned it right now. So, not surprised.
1: Yeah, Ghostbusters World shut down. It didn't even last six months. Damn, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it shut down August thirteenth. It launched uh late last year. I mean, damn, right.
0: Yeah, Ghostbusters is not as big of a property as it. A lot of people, I think. Think it is
1: well. Well, there's the nostalgia factor, right? Yeah, Uh, but I think also, yeah, they haven't exactly done very well keeping it in the public mind because gotta admit that last movie kind of sucked, right? Indeed,
0: solid C. Terrible movie, great action CGI stuff. Averaged it out to a C. So,
1: yay. And just looking through, yeah, this one is all literally just different variants of Pokemon Go, the Harry Potter one, the prequel to the uh, Pokemon Go Ingress, or Ingress, which actually is a very interesting idea, but it's so old now that, you know, I don't think it's even worth playing unless you really wanted to dive into it. Uh, Yeah, I'm just... I'm just flipping through now trying to find anything even similar to this. And a lot of it is pretty much the same thing. Uh, the closest I'm found is like the walking dead where uh, our world where it's, you're going to uh, go out and deal uh, missions or do missions and have to fight off zombies that actually somewhat shuffle uh, uh, in the l- landscape instead of just hovering there. Sort of. hmm. Yeah. It's, it feels weird that there that there hasn't been more, more done with AR, really just sitting and thinking about it. Because so much focus has been on virtual reality. There's really been nothing on uh, the AR side of things for quite a while outside of the, you know, the obvious, right? Yeah. And there should be enough uh, you know, uh, competing power in a phone now to be able to properly map out at least a few landmarks so you don't need a fucking card in order to uh, deal some sort of uh, landmarking to uh, have a convincing uh, augmented reality game. Oh, wait, that does remind me. There is one. I actually have to pop onto my phone for it. It was like big bang AR where it, it's a more educational thing uh, where it has, it's able to pick up uh, your hand movements enough where it it like has like the big bang happen in the palm of your hand and shows you uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Space and Tom, so there is that, and that was really impressive, but uh, I think that's about it uh, uh, yeah Nintendo kind of sucks for, you know their bullshit practices and their bullshit practices are uh, hurting themselves, because of course it is, but Nintendo gets a pass because Nintendo does what Nintendo is, right?
0: Indeed Nintendo do what Nintendo does alrighty um, oh,
1: oh, that's it. Super Mario World 3D and Bowser's Fury. That's That was the other one. I was looking for it on the other one, but I couldn't find it. So Super Mario 3D Worlds or 3D World and Bowser's Fury are, are coming out in another compilation. So that's the other compilation I was trying to think of. Gotcha.
0: All right. Moving on to our other news topic. Our second, our last... The Team Fortress 2 community uses bots to hunt cheat bots. Yeah, I then the, Team Fortress 2. Yeah,
1: I found this interesting. Uh, interesting enough to at least talk about. It. And uh, Team Fortress 2 has kind of been just cast aside uh, for quite a while by Valve, where it's there's been no significant updates. Uh, it's just been a what updates they do have is just putting in more cosmetic microtransactions and letting the game kind of stagnate. And the game has always had a cheater issue. Uh, bans do eventually get people. But the thing is that VAC is on a timer. So they basically build up uh, uh, get a bunch of uh, accounts flagged and then ban them all in one wave to one try to keep the uh, the cheaters from Knowing that they've been uh, had, Uh, but also, you know, it is more impressive whenever you're talking about, uh, you know, tens of thousands of accounts banned because of cheat bots and blah, 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 right? Right. So there's always been a cheating problem with TF2, even more so whenever they uh, put the uh, man economy into the game where they started trading hats, uh, loot boxes came into play. Uh, cosmetics uh, became more and more uh, sought after, uh, additional weapons, special weapons, uh, cosmetic weapons, and it just kind of uh, got to the point where I just didn't want to deal with it anymore and I eventually just cashed out. Never really put a ton of money into the game, but yeah, right? right. Mate, I, uh, I definitely uh, I think I pull, pulled the shoot on, at the right time, but uh, a group of... Uh, in the TF2 community is basically trying to police TF2 and get rid of some of the cheetah brats. So one of the things in TF2 that's been kind of notorious forever is you have the snipers that will sit and spin literally in place. And then if you get within sight of them, they'll snap to you and shoot you in the head and kill you instantly. Well, this group is essentially launching a bunch of good cheat bots <laughs> onto the servers to try to eliminate those that are using cheats and those that are botting to try to make the game a little bit more fun. Now, they do claim that the bots will not target legitimate players. Uh, they're looking for very specific scripted activity, which they don't exactly say what is going uh, what they're looking for. But it could be just looking for uh, stuff that they could see, that the bots could see server side. That looks a little wonky, like people spinning uh, so many times per second, or moving so fast, or yeah, some odd bot behavior that would flag them for termination uh, and go after them while leaving real players pretty much uh, to their own devices. Now, it does take a player slot, which is a shame. But yeah, you know, that's pretty much. There's no going to be dedicated server slots for this sort of thing. Uh, it's interesting. It's uh, one way to try to deal with it. Whenever Valve is pretty much just kind of let things languish for you know ages. I'm just seeing when was the last update? Uh, the uh, okay, uh, the Team Fortress Two wiki. That will be a good source. So the last major update was uh, in 2017. That should tell you something, right? Yeah. Uh, I think well, it's... Oh, sorry. Oh, ahead. sorry. Go ahead.
0: I, I think this is interesting. Like, it's really neat. Um, I just have no connection to the game or the community. So other than like, a, oh, that's really cool that people are doing this. I don't, you know, I don't truly understand the implications of the way that it changes or how it all works on the you know the back end so to speak so yeah i'm just uh double checking a couple
1: things pretty much uh the uh apart from the last major update jungle inferno there's been three major updates and they've all been the yearly halloween updates but they've all just been from what i could tell adding cosmetic stuff or Enabling Halloween mode on certain maps, and that's it. So, yeah, TF2 has definitely just been kind of sitting there for quite a while. And, you know, the community uh, is pretty much just trying to keep the game going because, yeah, I mean, there's outside of Overwatch, nothing like it. And Overwatch is kind of a different beast because it's. More of a focus on individual players in and on smaller teams than Team Fortress 2 is. But it's kind of sad that, let's see, one, two, three, four, uh, the eighth most played game on Steam at the moment has to have the community police it. Yeah. And let's just put it this way it's right between Fall Guys and Grand Theft Auto 5, right? Uh, at, for current players, which Fall Guys has been a f- fucking phenomenon, huh? Yeah. I kind of want to play Fall Guys, but I'm not going to buy it, so... Yeah. Yeah, not for that price, right? Right. Because it also has a cheating problem. Pretty much any time I see anything about it, it's uh, uh, some random guy floating around. But you do remember, I kind of picked it out as my interesting game of of E3 that year, so... Right? Yeah. But yeah, I just found it fascinating that the community's trying to keep things at bay. I'm not sure if uh, if Valve is going to try to step in or if they're going to do something else uh, with this, because yeah, Valve is pretty much they have like uh, just a couple people working on patches for well bug fixes essentially, just looking at uh, the uh, at the update log. there's an occasional update for uh, for bug fixing or community uh community items like uh the twenty twenty cosmetic crate uh, containing twenty two new community contributed items uh random uh bug fixes some bug fixes uh restricting uh new accounts from using chat for uh, because they were spamming it and uh being terrible to one another. Uh, a tribute to Ricky um, May, the voice of the soldier, because he died uh, earlier this year. So, yeah, there's just been pretty much just cosmetic stuff. To, uh, and even that is community driven. Because here's Scream For. Oh, sorry. This is the December. So, this is uh, the Christmas update. So, the. Uh, 18 new community contributed items uh, with uh, uh, another crate that has 10 community contributed items. Do you see the pattern here, right?
0: Yes. <clears throat> yes, indeed.
1: So, yeah. So, pretty much the community stepping in once again to try to keep Team Fortress 2 alive. Until Valve uh, eventually just pulls the plug, I guess.
0: Which they won't do for a while, I assume. Yeah, as because as so many hats, right? Yeah, all that that sweet, sweet hat money. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, right, God, yeah. started playing on my computer. Hmm. So loud. Loud music started playing on my computer. I stopped it. Yay. Sweet. Um, so, yeah, that does it for our topics this week. Um, we didn't have anything for Community Corner, I don't think. Uh, not the all at
1: least. So if you wish to contribute, vjobpodcast at gmail.com. Or tweet it to us, VJR Podcast, on the Twitter. Do we want to knock out a quick discovery
0: queue? My drugs have definitely worn off. Uh, oh, okay. I could go through one. Um, I might just be really quiet, though. It depends. Because my voice is crackling, and like I got new tea and stuff, but the drugs have worn off. So.
1: Uh, I'll let you, you, you call it. Oh, I won't be evil to you this time around. All right. I will send you the link to what I got for my first one, though, because I think it's like right up your alley. Ooh,
0: yes, indeed. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll be looking at that later. We can talk about that next time, I guess. Um, Yeah, maybe we'll we'll see if uh, yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, since we're not going to do Discovery Q, hey Rage, hit them with the socials.
1: I've been caffeine Rage. You can find me. On Twitter, Gaming CR, or you can be my friend on Steam, Caffeine Rage. And you've
0: been? Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist on Twitter at JMA4707, or by sending your friend request to jarthur 4707 on Steam.
1: And if you wish to learn to know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Death from Above.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Ah. Uh. And we scroll all the way back up and once again you can contact us, podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, camera related topics, or complaints about talking about battle tech again. Or just tweet them to us, V Podcast on the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this possible. You can find out more at patreon.com slash feature podcast. And once again, you can head over to the Podbean account for the show notes, uh links to all our stuff Uh, bglpodcast.podbean.com Or or you can find us on your podcatcher of choice if you used to spread the love. Our intro to outro music is on the ground by Kim McLeod. You can find his work over at uncomputech.com
0: and As always, as this lovely music starts to roll across my crackly failing voice. Bye-bye now. See you
1: next time. Bye-bye. <clears throat> well, we ended up spending not quite as long on Battletech as I thought we would.
0: Yeah. Only, you know, an hour and a bit. Yeah. Yeah, you've been waiting
1: for me to talk about Battletech, huh?
0: Oh god, I've been so excited. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I probably would have tapped out if I didn't if we weren't talking about Battletech tonight. I probably would have just been like, nah, you know, you gave me an easy out. I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna go to sleep. I'm gonna take more yeah, drugs. But,
1: yeah, but as soon as you heard, ooh, uh, the only thing I have to talk about is BattleTech. Uh, okay, hang on, uh, I can power through this one.
0: Yeah, I can. I can make
1: it through. So, yeah, it, it kind of stinks that I'm in that lull for so long, huh?
0: Yeah, there's there's two. I found that there were two major lulls, and it's like the end of the 20, uh or sorry, of the 3020s, Um and then there's. Uh, a pickup in the 3030s and there's a then there's a lull again and then uh, like i 30- think it's
1: just because of the law, the lore in that area is just uh not developed it's just a, kind of a dead space
0: yeah yeah and like in in universe it's like the helm memory core is discovered you get like a really quick burst of like ooh all we can make all this stuff again and then there's another lull cuz there all of the great houses are Trying to figure out how they can apply it to new tech. And then, like in the 3040s, there's another explosion and it's like all new stuff all the time. And then the clans and then more new stuff and more clans. So, Woo. yeah.
1: Yeah. I probably should uh, build another like dozen assault mechs uh, to get ready for things, huh?
0: Yeah. Range ultra auto cannon fives and LRM's were my friends for fighting the clans at the beginning.
1: Well, my rifleman is very good at pinching off heads. That will serve you well. That that's like one of the of the medium uh, range or or is the rifleman heavy. No, no the, the rifleman's rifleman's heavy.
0: heavy. Yeah, it's a sixty ton uh, heavy man.
1: Yeah, it's like th- because of its quirks, it's a useful sixty uh, ton. Right. Because uh, that one, it's able to essentially fire uh, nonstop. And putting ultra uh, autocannons on it makes it, yeah, kind of crazy. It does eventually start to overheat, but it's like seven or eight uh, tons of sustained fire, or nine if I, I disable its uh, large laser. So it's kind of crazy, huh? Yeah. Uh, it's only running one in five, though, because it was just burning through too much heat. I'd have to power down for a turn or two, and my pilot for that. I can respect him, but yeah,
0: right, yeah. I had a rifleman for a while, and a Jaeger mech. I'm not using either of them right now in my heavies.
1: Yeah, I I don't think I built a Jaeger mech yet. <clears throat> it's it seems like it's very rare to find, and if I find it, I don't get the parts for It.
0: Yeah. I uh, had a Jaeger mech with four hypervelocity autocannon twos, which the way that those work, um, hyper autocannons, uh, do like they're this weird mix of not quite a gauze rifle, but they use uh you know, they fired at a much higher velocity than a standard autocannon. So they've got longer range and all of their shells have explosive tip warheads. So they Ooh, do fun. they do AoE damage. I think so, it this
1: is from your mod? Yeah. Okay, just making sure. Yep. Yeah, I, I've always found the auto cannon 5 is right in that sweet spot of being useful because once you start getting to the cannon 10 and 20s, uh, the range is just not there. And the AutoCannon 2s, they just feel like uh, I need so many of them. Yeah. AC2s. I think I, I think I have it right. The AC2 is the one with the longest range, right? Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. The uh, Hunchback I have, uh, or that I had for a while, that I pretty much never got it to be at its full potential just because it was constantly trying to get into range. So I eventually went to a Thunderbolt with an AC-10, and
0: it actually handles a lot better. Standard AC-2s now, fire in three-round bursts instead of single shots. So the single shot is... You know, less powerful, but if all three rounds hit, they're actually more powerful than an AC5. Ooh. Um, And then, but you know, you can use special ammo types. Like I I like to run um, dual or quad AC2s on something like a rifleman or a Jaeger mech or um, one of the versions of the Blackjack can actually mount four AC2s Mm -hmm. and then use um, Sabo rounds on them. Saber rounds do uh, double damage to structure and an extra fifty percent damage to armor. Ooh, so they're very powerful. Rare, it's rare ammo though, so you don't mm. get a lot of it. But you can, I mean, you can mix uh, and match ammo types.
1: Now the question is: uh, Is ammo unlimited for that slot? So uh, does it replenish, or do you have to constantly buy ammo?
0: Oh no, ammo does still replenish. You don't have to okay. buy ammo as long as your ammo. Ben doesn't get destroyed. It, it refills, but you know, you can only take one or two tons of it, probably on a mech. Like I only have four tons of Sabo ammo right now. Yeah. Like I could probably cut
1: back a little bit of the ammo on my rifleman because I originally loaded it out for two AC f- uh, five auto cannons or uh, ultra auto cannons. Uh, but I found it was having heat issues. So
0: yeah. I could probably back it down a little bit, but, eh. but I, yeah. Yeah. I want to go play Battletech right now, but I just I just need to go to bed. That's what I need to do mm-hmm. Oh, because I want to go like mess around with Mac builds and stuff. Well, first, I think we should probably say bye bye. And we ended up talking an extra like
1: 15, 20 minutes about Battletech. Right. But yeah, da- damn good strategy game. Fucking great.